Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Because our subject matter today is is very uncomfortable and in some places considered taboo to even talk about in church right we're going to talk about today the nasty huh we're going to talk about today knocking boots huh we're going to talk about today doing it and here comes the kid running and it's my kid hallelujah all right, you are dismissed, little one. Run. Yes, don't want none of this to get in your ears. Where was I? Doing it, right, and doing it well. We're going to talk about that today. My subject for today is entitled Good Sex. All of us at some point, married or single, because I know ain't no many virgins in here. There may be about four of them five of them, reborn virgins, whatever. But we've all indulged in what some of us like to call good sex. What we call good sex is relative, I guess, you know, depends on your experience uh, or lack thereof. But what I want to offer to you today is good sex in the eyes of God. Now, for, for those people who are not married, I don't want to offend you, but I have to speak biblically today. I understand that in the Bible, there's enough scripture that tells you what not to do. And if you do what you shouldn't do, you're going to do something. You know, you're going to go a certain place. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bash you today, but I want to help you and, 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 and expose some things that happen in the context of sex outside of marriage. And then for my married folks, I want to help y'all too. Brothers might give me some dap at some point in this series because I'm going to lay it on heavy about how wonderful things should be in your marriage. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to single folk and married folk today. I want to start this off by saying one thing, and I don't understand why it's so taboo in the church to talk about sex, because God invented it. And so if God invented it, that means it's good. That means it's good. That means that God honors it. God loves it. If we understand sex, the very first time he commanded it was in the very first chapter of the book called Genesis. He told Adam and Eve, this married couple, he says, now go be fruitful and multiply. I want to explain something to you about the fruitful. He could have just said, you know, just multiply. No, no, no. He said be fruitful. The fruitful is the sex. That's the doing it and doing it and doing it well. When I got married back in 2003, my father-in-law, who's a Baptist pastor, stood up and everybody had to make an announcement and say their comments to one another. My wife and I were sitting at the head table where the bride and groom sit along with their wedding party. My father-in-law stood up and says, I have only one thing to say. And as a pastor, I can only quote the Bible. This is Broderick and Erica. And if y'all don't believe me, I have it on videotape. I ain't videotape because it wasn't really DVD. He says, I got one thing to say, and I can only quote the Bible. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And so when we had four kids, I was wondering why they had that strange look on their face every time we called and said, hey, we're expecting again. Oh, wow. Y'all told us to be fruitful and multiply. Sex is good in the context of marriage. And so if you're taking notes, I want to let you know that sex is a all caps big deal. It's a big deal for all the right reasons and some of the wrong reasons. It's a big deal. Our culture tells us that sex is a big 
deal as I was preparing this message and looking for some great illustrations to express just how big of a deal sex is. I figured I would try to look up some ads that intentionally use sex to advertise and draw your attention. Can I tell y'all I found a Lego ad? No, real talk. A Lego ad that was kind of pushing the issue of sex. And I says, wait a minute. I don't know too many grown folks that play with Legos. Our lives are inundated with sex. You can't go on to the Internet without something sexual coming up. Me and my wife sat the other night just trying to, as she was helping me find illustrations, and I didn't prepare any for you. We went the other night, and we were just looking through all of these ads, and I said, let's play a game. Without looking at what the designer is or who the designer is or what the, 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 the thing is, let's see if we can figure out what they're selling. And I just want to tell you, we laid in the bed for a long time watching and looking at the different images and couldn't find. One was a, a denim ad, and I was like, yeah, but they're naked. Another one was Old Spice, and I was like, what does this naked dude on a horse on the beach have to do with smelling good? He don't smell like the ocean. Old Spice doesn't smell like the ocean. Y'all know what I'm talking about because my wife said when I talked about that part, she wanted me to call her in. But after watching all of these, I'm just being honest, after just looking at advertisements in the bed with my wife, we kind of begin to feel a certain kind of way. The good news is that we could feel that way and we were married. And if we felt that way by looking at these ads, we could just take it to the next level. So I begin to say, wow, imagine being single in this world. If you're just clicking through, you're looking at Target, you're looking through the Sunday ads and everything is sex, you're going to feel a certain kind of way. So it makes it just a little bit difficult to hold on to your cookies. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I want to share with you right now, and if you're taking notes, some right reasons that God created sex some right reasons why God created sex. The first reason I want to offer to you is to produce life. God created sex to produce life. As I shared with you earlier in Genesis 1 and 28, uh, God, um, uh, God commands Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and and multiply. He gave them instructions, license, and permission to do the nasty, but multiply as the reason. Be fruitful and multiply. You know what's so unique about us, the human animal that God created? That we're the only ones that can produce with emotion. Most animals, when it's the season or, or when their hormones are right, it's not an emotional thing. It's like me gorilla, you female gorilla, boom, 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 pregnant. It's just for the sake of production. It's just for the sake of producing or procreating. God made us uniquely different. And that's the second thing I want to talk to you about. So the first reason God created sex, the right reason was to produce life. Now, I want to offer this before we go to the second part. It doesn't always happen so easily and naturally. We're aware of that. Uh, even in the Bible, where, 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 where a certain woman was old, she had been trying, her and her husband had been trying for years, and it wasn't until her old age that God permitted her to produce a child. It doesn't always happen that naturally or that easy, but that is just one way that God created for us to produce. The second thing I want to offer as a right reason that God created sex is to provide pleasure. To provide pleasure. This is obviously in the context, both are in the context and the confines of marriage. Both to produce in the confines and context of marriage, to provide pleasure also in that arena of marriage. God didn't create sex just for procreation. As I said earlier, he created us, human beings, much different than animals. An animal doesn't have to look and say, I don't know if, he, if he's fine as, as, as wine or not, and if he's got good credit, and if he got all of his teeth, if he's packing. No, animals don't do that. They just do it. They don't look at that. You know, male peacocks, we know that they strut a certain way, and they flap their feathers, and they're trying to attract a certain kind of thing, but, but the, the female peacock ain't looking to see if he got it going on. It's just a competition. 
with them, and they just do it. There's no emotion attached. But God created us humans with this emotional thing where we can actually enjoy sex. It's not just for production. It's so that we can have pleasure within the context of marriage. He created it so that we can enjoy it. If you don't believe me, you can read the entire book of the Songs of Solomon. And boy, oh boy, I'm telling you, if you, if you can just get through some of the King James stuff, and I say I, I would charge you to read the message version of the Song of Solomon. It makes it so honest and real and current, it'll blow your socks off. Now, Again, the the Bible is not a manuscript on technique or proper position or how you should do the do, but God certainly says if you're married, you should be able to do the do. Proverbs 5, 18, 19 says this, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. And our women are sitting there like, well, what about us? They don't say nothing about the man. And it's the same thing. See, sex for, when, when God created sex for pleasure, he didn't do it just for the man to be pleased. He did it so that the wife could also be pleased. As humans, both men and women have sexual needs. And in the confines of marriage, you, there's no, there's no, no, no boundaries well, there are, but, you know, you can do what you want to do in marriage and not feel guilty about it. You know, it's not the, the walk of shame that happens in the morning. Some of my single folk are familiar with it. I'm certainly familiar with it. I've taken that walk and have had to watch others take that walk in my single days when I was a heathen before I was saved. And so that walk of shame is something serious. We're going to talk about that in, in, in a little bit in the next section. But I want to really speak to married couples right here. Married couples, when we talk about pleasure and sex, I want you to know this. This is so important. My wife and I said it last week. You are your spouse's only legitimate way for sexual fulfillment. There's no other legitimate way. Now, you can step outside of your marriage and bring all kind of hell to your house. You know, you, could, you can go out there and, and cheat and try to justify it later. You could, you could go on the website and, you know, dabble in pornography but none of those are legitimate, rightful, uh, just ways that God gives you permission to fulfill yourself or to sow your royal oats, if they, as they say. The only way that God permits it legitimately is through your spouse. 1 Corinthians 7, uh, 3 through 4 says this, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. Brothers normally get excited about that, but then there's this other line that comes behind it that says, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Now, let me fix this because we're talking about intimacy here. Brothers, that doesn't mean that after mom has the baby and she puts on a few pounds, you can start buying her gym memberships and making her feel bad that she's put on a few pounds. Doesn't mean that after she's had the baby, you can just buy gallons of cocoa butter talking about get rid of those marks. No, it doesn't mean that. That's not the authority you have over her body. It means that you are you have the authority over her body in terms of the intimacy and vice versa. But mutually, you agree what the boundaries are set within your marriage. You know, one thing that God totally does not permit, inviting a third party in to the boom, boom, boom. Don't do that. Third party doesn't have to be a person. Third party could be porn videos. Third party could be toys that are uncomfortable and unpleasant. A third party could be anything that damages the marriage or the sanctity of the marriage bed, if that makes sense. No third parties. The Bible is totally against that, but everything else you guys can mutually agree upon, like Maybe we don't do it in the, in the bedroom. We go down to the living room or go to the kitchen or the backyard. You know, stuff like that is cool. But what, I'm the only one? I'm sorry. Don't come tipping toeing in my backyard. <laughs> Might walk into something or own something. Amen. Brothers, I want to say this. Become your spouse's greatest student. 
men and women are totally different. And that's very true. For men, you, I mean, we could just look at you and we're ready to go. We can just think about looking at you and we're ready to go. We could hear your name and be ready to go. We can hear something that sounds like your name and be ready to go. You could say, I need you to go to the store and get me some neck bones, and it sounds like you said, I want to get naked. <laughs> We're designed that way. It don't take much for us to get going. Women are emotional creatures. They need you to love them all week long, not all day, all week. They need you to hold them on this pedestal and remind them of just how precious they are to you, just how incredible they are to be uh, your life partner. They need to be loved. They need to be nurtured. They need that emotional tank all the way full. You ever fill your tank up and it goes past F? Well, that's how a woman's emotional tank needs to feel, past the F line, past full. You have to do that. Begin courting her all day. Baby, you're beautiful. Speak her love language. What can I do for you today? Want me to rub your shoulders, even if it's just for two minutes. Make her feel good and then set the expectation there. Make her feel good. Men, we're visual. Women, all emotional. And we need to do better by that. Become your spouse's student. Study her. Learn her. Learn her love language. As I shared with you all last week, the, the five love languages, I highly recommend that book. I promise you, it saves so many disagreements with my wife and I. When, whenever we disagree, the first thing we go to is, have I been speaking your love language? And we can literally say, you know what, you have not. I've been, I've been busting my tail. You didn't, you know, you didn't dap me up. You didn't say, honey, you're the greatest. And that sometimes that's all it takes. Or my wife, she's like, man, I begged you for like two weeks to pick your clean clothes up off the floor, and you haven't done it yet. Just do. Speak your wife's love language. Study her. Figure out what makes her feel good instead of what makes you feel good. Instead of just lighting the candles and doing all of that, and then now we get on to it, instead of just, I'm going to kiss her neck, I'm going to kiss her shoulder, I'm going to go down to the breast, now I'm going to get it in. Maybe that's not pleasing to her. Man, it feels good to you, but maybe not to her. Become a student of your spouse. And I apologize for making you all uncomfortable, but I think we need to talk about this. My ministry, my heart is for marriages. My wife will tell you, I love my marriage. I love other marriages. It's a beautiful thing, and I know that it honors God, but really become a spouse, a, stu a student of your spouse. Wives, the same thing. Instead of coming to bed or, 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 you know, your man sitting down there and you feel like you want to get on, instead of saying, hey, let's go upstairs, I mean, like, woo him a little bit. Like, come downstairs in some satin and silk or something like that. Shock the world out of him because you've been wearing that raggedy T-shirt to bed for the past two weeks. Huh? And don't switch it up and wear his T-shirt talking about, I thought this would attract you on wearing your college T-shirt. No, surprise him. As a matter of fact, initiate it. Be the initiator. Be the aggressor. Let him come home from work, and, and as soon as he say, hey, baby, you just put your finger on his lips and say, shh, and grab him by his hands. Huh? This is all in the context of marriage that we're speaking here become a student of your spouse learn their needs not your own guess what when you learn their needs oh my god if you think you have an explosive and wonderful sex life right now imagine imagine meeting their needs sexually explosive is an understatement to what can happen oh my goodness and i understand we're all busy I understand everybody has jobs, and if you have multiple kids, there's so much, you know, they got stuff they have to do. But as I said last week, and I'm not ashamed of it, if you need to, schedule it. Schedule intimate time together. I didn't get to go into detail with this last week, but I'm just going to go a little bit further. Schedule it. It's so important. Think about it. If I know that on the, the, the 16th and the whatever of the month, we're going to do what we're going to do, I'm going to take from the first of the month to that time that we're going to do. I'm going to do everything. I'm, going to, I'm actually going to write a checklist of things I know my wife likes. Check it. I did that. I did that. I did that. I did that. And we, as we're getting closer to the day, oh, man, her tank is like way up here. She, ooh, her tank is so full. I mean, it's just like going to explode. And so I'm building her up to the point where it's going to happen. And at the same time, 
it's preparing her mind, even if she don't, at the same time, it's preparing her mind. Oh, okay, I got I to gotta start thinking about this. I got to get ready for this. I know, you know, we've been talking, we've been planning. Let me just get my mind right because the 16th or whatever that day is, is coming, and I don't want any interruptions. Let me start getting my mind right already. So if you begin speaking each other's language, you have the date set, it's scheduled, y'all know it's going to be a fantastic time. You know what to do. Put the kids to bed early or put them out, either one. Uh, We're going to go on a hot date. You just set it up. You already know what's going to happen. Really schedule it. Because the thing is, you schedule everything else in your life that is not nearly as important as your marriage. Real talk. You schedule hair appointments. Don't matter. You schedule meetings to have meetings, to have a cup of coffee. Doesn't matter. You schedule everything else in life that you think is important, but none of it trumps your marriage, which honors God to the greatest level. Amen? All right, we're going to get off of that. I see people moving around in their seats and stuff, getting ready to walk out. Hold on, don't leave yet. Don't leave. I got something for you, I promise. Don't leave yet. <laughs> so number one, God created sex to, for product, to produce life. Number two, for pleasure within the, 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 the confines and the institution of marriage. Oh, I got to share this last point. This is important. This is really important. Now, brothers, what I'm going to share with you all, Y'all got to do like a virtual pinky swear that you will not use it against your wife. Okay? Come on. Put them up. Put them up, brothers. Serious. Married brothers. Okay. Put them up. You will not use this against your wife. Brothers who are going to get married, put it up. You're not going to use it against your wife. Okay. Now, here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's what it says. Okay? I've used it against my wife. That's why I'm trying to warn you. And she's brought it back to me. Okay? Here it is. It says this. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. I've used that. My wife, no, no, not tonight. But baby, 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says do not deny unless we both agree. Now, I don't agree that you should deny me tonight. Don't do it, brothers. Don't do it. Because it says both of you. Neither of you deny. Because uh, I know that brothers, tired. Oh, baby, not tonight. My back hurt. My knee hurt. I'm tired. The Knicks on. I'm on you know, I got to watch Game of Thrones. Maybe after Game of Thrones. I mean, seriously, some of y'all are so hooked up to your show. If your woman come down in your favorite little negligee, you just like, oh, baby, come on, not now. You better cut that off. TiVo it. Check Twitter to see what happened on your favorite show and please your wife. Unless you both agree, there should never be a denial. Let me tell you why. This is what it says. I'm going to tell you why. Not just for the sake of, se- of sex, but this is why. Let's read further. It says, after you guys, if you agree to take time out, afterward, come together again. Why? So that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self- self-control. Because of your lack of self-control. The most vulnerable time for you is when you are either desperate, you're hungry, as they say. You really want it. Or, no, they say they're thirsty. That's the word now. You're thirsty. Yeah. You know, when you really want it, you're vulnerable, you'll do something. And then, and then if, you, if you couple that with anger, oh, man, you know what, man, bump this, man. I'm going. I'm going out. You go out, and all of a sudden, there she is, old Jezebel. How you doing? The other time that a man is really vulnerable, as I said before, is after he's done something with you that he really likes or while he's doing something with you that he really likes. And it's not just sexual. But when you deny each other, you are really vulnerable and you are leaving yourself wide open for Satan to come in and start whispering some craziness to you. And could cause some things to happen in your marriage that you will surely regret. So first thing again. God created sex for, to, to produce life. Secondly, to produce pleasure within marriage. And third, to promote unity. To promote unity. Sex within marriage creates a deep physical, emotional, and spiritual bet- bond between two people. Scripture says this, Matthew 19, 4 through 6, and this is Jesus himself speaking. He says, these Pharisees are trying to trip him up on the issue of divorce. They're all in his ear. Yeah, but, 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 but teacher, 
what are you saying about divorce? And, you know, a man can just write his woman off if she don't produce kids for him or, or whatever the case may be. What do you say about that? And Jesus is like, oh, you scoundrel. Haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And then he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Can I tell you all how important this scripture is? You first find this scripture in the very first book of the Bible called Genesis, okay? Genesis 2, 23 through 25. Then Jesus, the Messiah, quotes this scripture. You find it in, I think, every gospel with the exception of one, if I'm not mistaken. And then even Paul, the great apostle, quotes it in Ephesians 5. They're trying to drive home a point here that the husband and wife spiritually, physically, emotionally, when you say I do, you immediately become one. Now, I know there's tradition as to why the woman takes the man's name and different cultures would would have it another way and all of this stuff. But spiritually, biblically speaking, when a man and wife are joined together in holy matrimony, they are one physically. That's when they do it spiritually, in prayer, and also in sex. Emotionally, when they're comforting each other, when they're holding each other accountable, and also in sex. All three, they become one. It's the unity of the marriage that is presented here. And it's so important that it's mentioned in the first book of the Bible, I think at least three different Gospels, and then Paul comes back as a third reminder. Become one. One, it's the unity. Sex promotes unity within marriage. It promotes unity. I've often wondered why God made men and women so different. Have you all wondered that? Why, why didn't he just make us all the same? Why not have it where we both desire the same thing at the same time? Why not make it where it's not so complicated? Huh? Where I have to figure out how my wife is feeling right now, or she has to figure out, is this a good time to interrupt him? Why didn't God just make it so simple for us in marriage? You ever wonder that? I wonder that all the time. Or even if you're dating, that's even harder because you're like, I want to be with this guy. I want to be with this girl. But God is so difficult trying to figure this person out. And are they the right one? Why is it so difficult? And this is what I found. God created these differences. He designed them to show us how to give ourselves to each other in love. According to the Bible, true love can be expressed only through unselfishness. Here's the good news. This is for everybody in the room, single, married. That's for everybody in your day-to-day relationships, in your marriage, If you're courting, he did that so we could selflessly show ourselves through love. He made us different to show ourselves selflessly through love, the same way that his son Jesus did for us, the same way. Let me share with you some wrong reasons that sex is a big deal, some wrong reasons why sex is a big deal. Number one, for security. You shouldn't have sex for security. You shouldn't have it for status. I think any male in here who ever went to high school or middle school, we certainly tried to, we lied about having sex with certain girls because of status. Come on now. For fun, just something to do. I want to try this. I want to, you know, see how this feels. For emotional well-being. So many people have sex because they, 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 I'm lonely and, and, and this person's going to spend time with me and, and the only way we can spend time is if we have sex. And yeah, the act feels good in that moment, but the consequences are forever. A friend of mine I share with, you know, uh, I talk, you know, I talk to him a lot. He's in our men's group and uh, 
I, we were talking, and uh, I says, man, you know, sex is not that big a deal. I wish there's so much that I could take back from my sex life when I was, you know, not in, in the will of God, when I was in the world and I was sinning. I just wish I just didn't do certain things. And, and then at the same time, he, like, straight checked me. It was like a straight gut check. He's like, yeah, but you seem kind of braggadocious about it sometimes. Like, when you talk about some of your escapades, man, you kind of like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's right. Truth is, though, those memories, yeah, they're great memories. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, whatever. Thank God he spared me. But the truth of the matter is, it, 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 those people that I slept with, those people that you slept with out of wedlock, Every time you slept with them, you took a piece of them with you and carried it to the next person you slept with out of wedlock. And then they carried it to the next person. And then they carried it to the next person. Watch this. What did I say earlier? When man and woman come together, there is, we come together physically, emotionally, and spiritually. (laughs) Guess what? That's not just married couple. Every time you get butt naked or halfway naked or partially naked and have sex with someone, you come together that same way. And every time you do that, there's a transference of all of those things, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And every time you sleep, so, so, so some people can say, man, you know, back in the day, that was a, that was a big deal. You talk to your boys, man, man, how many girls you been with? Man, I've been with like five. And the truth is, if you've been with five, out of those five, how many was that one girl with? Oh, she was with three, so now that's five. That's eight. How, was the, how about the other girl? Once you add it up, those five, if that's really true. If, by the way, when a guy says that number, it's like less than that. It's like half that, maybe two. <laughs> but the truth is, all of those other people, that's a transference of that same spirit, that same energy, that same emotional stuff. It's a transference. So if you say, oh, I've only been with five, uh, you might want to check. might be more like 50. And depending on the last person you're with, if they're really nasty, it could be like 500. And if they're a hoe, excuse my language, then it's like 5,000. I mean, real talk. You got to think about this. I'm not trying to bash people with, with this, but I'm just trying to present some facts about this. Back in the day, thank God we're not back in the day. Back in the day, according to Exodus uh, 22, 16 through 17, if you slept with someone consensually, you had to marry that person. If they found out y'all were doing the nasty and y'all weren't married and they found out, oh, they don't, they got to get married. Imagine, (laughs) if you will, the first person you ever had sex with. Could you see yourself married to them? Now, I know some of us were teenagers and so, you know, y'all were trying to figure things out. But if we were back in those days, you'd have to marry them. Now, what if you never got caught? Right? And there was like two or three or four partners. And they say, you know what? You got to marry all four of them. Or else we're going to stone you to death. I say that only to say that if you're single and y'all get close and hot, begin to think about old times. I would have to marry this fool. Do I really want to do that? Okay, we got children in the room. You got to be kept quiet. Anyway, think about that before you make those decisions about who you share your, are we clear? We're not clear. Okay. We're getting snacks? All right. So, yeah. (laughs) It's difficult. If you're single today, as I said earlier, you know, the Bible wants you to abstain from those things. Going to the adult playground. And so it's difficult. I can't imagine. Like when I was single just 10 years ago, we didn't have nearly as much access to the Internet. There wasn't there was advertising for stuff, but not as not as heavy as it is now. Like I said earlier, for those who just came, I found a Lego ad promoting that. That was just crazy. I saw one. It was like a jeans company. And I was like, nobody wearing jeans. Nobody's wearing denim. And so, you know, and you know, so. Okay, here we go. Now, back to the juicy. 
whoever's child that was, they may ask you all about adult playgrounds. Uh, just tell them, uh, talk, tell them it's Fantasy Island at Disney World because they can't go there, right? Is that true? Is it, what part of Disney World where it's like clubs and stuff? What is it? Huh? It's Fantasy Island, right, where adults go, where they have bars and stuff? Yeah, just tell them that. That's the adult part. Pleasure Island. That's it. Thank you very much. See, my Floridians know. Okay, back to what I was saying. So I want to help you all with that. I want to say this as well. When you have multiple partners, if you're single, this is what happens when you do get married. This is very important. It's not in your notes, but if you have a pen, you might want to write this down. Having um, multiple partners creates mistrust, performance anxiety, comparison, evaluations, and these are all barriers to the deepest level of intimacy in your marriage. I'm a witness. Met my wife. We abs- I, I was absent when I met her. We waited till we were married to have sex. We really did. And I was like, oh, man, she don't know what she got in me. I'm the man. I'm like a Casanova. I'm Puerto Rican and black. I'm telling you, Santiago. <laughs> my nickname back in the day used to be Sexiago. She don't know what she got in me, boy. And I want to tell you, because of, I'm being real, my wife was very pure. She's very, very, I, I mean, I'm telling you, I married up. She's a very, very good girl. Very. And when I married her, there was all kind of that anxiety. After we said I do and we're out on our honeymoon, it was that anxiety. It was that comparison. It's like, yeah, but I'm the man. Look, girl, I, let me tell you, let me, let me do it like this. Let me show you what I can do. I got this trick. And it really caused us, the very early part of our marriage, it took us a long time to get to know one another intimately because of that. There were some comparisons I would make. Uh, there was me thinking, you know, I'm the man. I'm, I got this. I'm going to please you, woman. And I ruined it. The first five years of our marriage could have been far greater if I didn't have these hangups from my past from being this so-called Casanova. Multiple partners causes that. So all you single folk, those who are getting married, listen, do not bury that past. Bury, I don't care how great of a lover you were in the past. When you meet your wife or your husband, you are a virgin again, and you become your spouse's greatest student. Amen? Other thing I want to share with you is this. There's no such thing as a quickie. The act is quick. It's fast. One, two, three, four pumps, it's over. But the truth is, the memories scar you for life. What happens in that second scars you for life. It could result in some cases in an STD. In other cases, it could result in an unexpected pregnancy. Either case, there's no such thing as a quickie because the act happens fast but the actions, the memories last forever. For the rest of your life, you'll remember them. Amen? That applies to your, uh, your marriage as well. Yeah. All right. Who are releasing these kids? Okay. That's good. We're at a point now I want to share. I want to help you all. So single people, if you're struggling, here's a fact. There's going to be, if you're single... You're like, you know, when you cut on the TV, you cut on your computer, you turn on your phone, you see somebody's text, you go on Facebook, you're going to see it. And as a single person, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it difficult for you to just abstain and withhold from that desire. So let me help you with that. Let me help you with that process. The first thing I will offer for you to do is starve your mind of sinful thoughts and feed your heart with God's truth. Starve your mind of sinful thoughts. Feed your heart with God's truth. Even me, I go on Facebook and I just know. I mean, I have like over a thousand some friends. You go and sometime you click on it. My wife was sitting with me one day and she's like, what are you looking at? I was like, I was just flipping through. I was scrolling. But I just so happened to stop at a, a spot where somebody was uh, with a big booty doing the um, twerk. Is that what it's called, twerking? And I, was, I didn't click on the video, but there's the picture of it right there. And, it's, you know, I didn't click the video. You just see it. But the fact of the matter is that's how crazy it is in the world. 
I mean, you can have friends on there that, that, that you're real cool with, and you, you're looking at, I'm look, I could be looking at Starbucks' thing, but right under him is like one of my family members or friends that are not saved, and they got this sexual stuff in there. He's got scripture. They got sex. It's challenging. Real talk. It's challenging. So starve your mind of it. In other words, if you know certain people are going to have that mess up there, hide them. You don't have to delete them. They have a feature on there where you can hide their, their posts. I didn't know that till the other day when, my, when I, my wife saw me and that twerking thing was there. She said, you can hide them. And I was like, oh, how do you do that? And so she showed me how to do it, and I hid them. They're still my friend, but I can't see none of that nastiness anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. Feed your heart with God's word. I'm not going to sit here. I'm, I mean, let's be realists. Y'all not going to sit here and be reading the Bible all day. Some of y'all might be just that holy, real tall. I'm not even that holy, honestly, because as soon as this evening comes, I'm going to be watching Game of Thrones, okay? And it's a lot of vulgar language and a lot of nudity, but that's my show. Judge me. I don't care, all right? I'm not, not going to have a Bible in my hand 24-7, neither are you. So I don't expect you to walk around with Scripture all the time. But when temptation comes, feed yourself, feed your heart with God's truth. Feed your heart, and his truth is his word, every part of it. I'm not going to give you one scripture. There's a whole bunch that will speak to your heart and remind you of this feeling that you have right now. I know you have this desire in your heart, but let me tell you what can happen if you fulfill it. Let me tell you what can happen if you succumb to this feeling in you and allow God's word to minister to you. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Let me, let me tell you what Philippians says, and then I want to tell you how to, I'm going to help you even with that part. Philippians 4 and 8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is my last thing I want to say to you people, you Philippians. This is what Paul is saying. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and, and, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Casual sex is not worthy of praise. You might say some things during it out of wedlock, but it's not worthy of praise. It's a big difference. It has to be worthy of praise. Those lustful desires, those thoughts, that, 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 that internet stuff, that, that, that looking at the Facebook booties and stuff, that's not worthy of praise. What is worthy of praise? My service to God. What is worthy of praise? How he has saved my life and spared my life. What is worthy of praise? My church community. What is worthy of praise? My children. What is worthy of praise? My career, the talents and gift that God has given me. What is worthy of praise? I can keep on going because I know all your business. There are so many things in your life worthy of praise. Focus on them and try to remove that stuff out of your mind where there is lustful desires. Now, I understand this is very difficult to do by yourself. So the second thing I want to suggest to you is hang out with the right people. Plain and simple. It's not that deep. Hang out with the right people. If you're hanging out with a whole bunch of single friends and they all boning, guess what's going to happen? They're going to ask you, why aren't you? And what's going to happen after that? They're going to kind of convince you that you are not doing the right thing. Oh, girl, you so churchy. Oh, boy, man, please, man. You, pastor didn't really mean that. I thought you serve a God that's forgiven. He'll forgive you for this one instance. And he will. That's the truth. But do you want to add to your body count? Hmm? You want to add another body to your count and all of the people they've been with and all the people that they've been with? And we can keep on going. At the end of the day, you be nasty. Spiritually, physically, all of the above. And you be jacked up. Is it worth it in the end? Nah, I don't think so. And I'm sure that many and most of you will agree. Hang out with the right people. Who are the right people? People that's going to, you know, Proverbs uh, 27, 17 says, iron sharpens irons. A friend sharpens a friend. When I was, I shared with you all about my friends, the Kingsmen ministry, and I had just given my life to Christ in the year 2000. And it was tough, man, because all I knew was, was this, my me, you know, Sexiago, that's all I knew. And then I came in, in contact with a young lady when I was trying to be abstinent, and some things fell apart. And I'm not lying. I called, the, I called them as if I broke, I, like, I, like I, I committed a crime. I was weeping uncontrollably. I messed up. I need y'all. 
They're witnesses, I promise you. And they gathered around me and prayed. As a matter of fact, they looked at me strange like, man, you take this stuff serious. You're really trying to do the right thing. But it mattered to me. I believe that, that it was not pleasing. And then again, I look, I said, another one to my body count. <clears throat> I was so mad about that. I shared this with some friends of mine. I said, I, uh, no, to some teens. I said, think about it this way. One day you're going to be, what if you grow up to become the president? I said, let's think about President Barack Obama or Michelle Obama. Do you know there's some knucklehead out there who probably didn't finish school, who probably ain't doing well, and he's looking and saying, I hit that. No matter what, he owns that, I hit that. Real talk. That sucks. I went back to my old hood two years ago in the projects I grew up with in New York, and I saw some girls that, yeah, we did things, sitting on her porch with the head wrap, with the, I mean, just knees all ashy. And I'm walking, I'm saying, dang, she say, she can say she hit that, because she did. Real talk. Not that I'm like, like, like the man, not that I'm sitting up on this pedestal, but I'm greater than sitting on the steps in the projects with ashy knees. I've accomplished a few things in my life, and now she has the license and privilege to say, I hit that. Ooh, that sucks. Ooh. And I tell these young people, these teenagers, just think about it. One day you're going to be somebody famous. Incredible. Think about somebody right now saying, man, Hallie, <laughs> been there, done that. Beyonce, ah, please. Jay don't even know. Idris Elba, the old Spice dude, I'm real talk. There are nobodies like saying, yeah, I hit that somebody, and it's not even worth it. It's not worth it. Real talk, real talk. Hang out with the right people who will hold you accountable, who check you and be like, yo, or they don't even have to check you. You feel comfortable enough to say, yo, I'm struggling, man. I mean, I got this itch, bruh. Every, everywhere I learn, everywhere I look, man, there's skin everywhere. I'm, I'm going crazy. I need it. And then let them brothers or sisters say, no, nah, you don't. Tell you what, let's go catch a movie. Let's go get some Moscato and chill out, girlfriend. Let's go get our nails done or something. You know, somebody that's going to just be there when you're in your desperate hour, when you just like, I need to get it on. And you are not in the position to get married. Because that's what Paul says. If you can't control your lustful desires, get married. Now, I don't want people, I've, I watched this movie last night with these three sisters. I don't even remember the name of it. It's crazy. And these three sisters, uh, one was uh, following after her father. Another one, she was the youngest one. She was just wild, didn't know what she wanted to do in life. And then the third sister, she was like really prissy. She was really Christian and prayed about everything and whatever. And she finally found a guy that she was interested in. And the dude was checking her out and whatever, whatever. And they liked each other. So finally what happened was she brought him to dinner for the first time. It's like, it's like their second meeting. And uh, she brought him home as her husband. So they met. She liked him. She couldn't control herself. They got married. And so the, 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 her new husband is telling the father, hey, I'm sorry to bring this to you this way, but we got out of hand and we, we did things. And so I married her. I wanted to do the right thing. And the father's like, oh, what do you mean you did the right thing? He didn't catch the fact that the brother married. He's like, yo, you, you took advantage of my daughter. You love her. So bottom line is don't get all hot and bothered and and say, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to please God. Let's just go ahead to the court and so we can do it. No. Find the person that God has sent for you. Do it right. Honor him with it. Amen? All right, I went too long in that. But have people in your life that will hold you accountable. People who will pray with you, who will comfort you, guide you, you know, and all of that good stuff. James 5, 16 says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. People take that as, oh, I'm he- I need to be healed physically. No, it's bigger than that. Sometimes we need to be healed from lust. Sometimes we need to be healed from sexual desires that don't honor God. Sometimes we need that kind of healing. So if I'm praying with people that care, about, and, and don't be ashamed about it. Because when you hide in and, and in shame, the devil's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to keep sending you little nuggets, and eventually you're going to jump on his side. But if you got people like, yo, that's stupid, don't do that. Here's the one thing. If you do slip up, if you do slip up, here's the good news. John 8, 1 through 11 tells us how God handles those type of situations. 
I'm not going to read the scripture. I'll just tell you the story. In John 8, 1 through 11, this is a story where they were dealing with an adulterous woman. And they brought her to Jesus. And they were all around. And Jesus was chilling. And they're like, hey, man, what are you going to do about this chick? She's an adulterous woman. She stepped out on her husband. She's messing around on him. What are you going to do about it? And while they're going back and forth and everybody's like, you should do this. We should stone her. Are we going to kill her? Jesus just knelt down, took his little finger, started writing in the dirt. And he drew a line. He stepped back. And he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, starting from the oldest to the youngest, they began to leave. This woman, adulterous woman, who at the time was murdered. If you committed adultery, you were stoned to death, particularly women. They might have stoned you, set you on fire, brought you back, and killed you again. It was that serious of a crime back then. And Jesus knelt down, drew a line, and says, He who was without sin cast the first stone, hit this woman. And after they checked themselves, starting with the oldest because they had the most sin, walked away. In other words, and then Jesus says to the lady in the end, he says, you're forgiven. Where are your accusers? I'm not accusing you, so where are your accusers? If you slip up, Jesus is not going to accuse you. But let's be practical. Do you want to add to your body count? Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us at our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.